everyone, and welcome to our Summer of Wisdom podcast here at Orchards Church. As always, my name is Daniel, and joining me is the wonderful and ponytailed Rick. <laughs> uh, if you're new uh, to the podcast, Rick and I get to co-pastor the wonderful church of Orchards in uh, Sherwood. So we're really grateful for that. And we're grateful to be here with you all today, uh, kind of wrapping up our conversation about the book of Job. Um, what, Rick, what role has Job played in your life? You've been walking with the Lord for a while. How has Job impacted you as a book of the Bible? Hmm. What a question. It has caused me to wrestle. It's such a big book and it covers such a big idea. And both of those things for me can be overwhelming. Mm. Uh, you know, when I read through Job, so often you do a read through the Bible, you know, in a year. And so you're going to read through this book. And because it is as many chapters as it is, you spend quite a bit of time in it, I think over a week. And so you've really, you know, you either read through it, just trying to get through it, or you actually grapple with it. And when I grapple with it, I feel a little lost, but in a good way, I, I guess. And probably, I think this is the point of the book that uh, God is so big and we think we wrap our heads around him or around his ways or around truth. And Job always reminds me that my arms aren't that big and I don't have them wrapped around God and his wisdom. And so it's just kind of a place to marvel and get some answers, enough answers to continue on. But always remember, I don't get it. And that's probably going to be that way for a mm. while. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the questions, so as we talked about last week, Job kind of he's got two he's got two um two real questions right um one one is why why am i suffering mm -hmm. when i'm righteous and maybe the second demand of job is restore my honor um mm. like what you owe this to me and 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 i need it back give it to me and um, I don't think we actually ever have an answer given for why Job is suffering. Job certainly never gets an answer. We get more of a peek into it because we see um, kind of the divine counsel scene in chapter one and two. Mm -hmm. um, but we, Job certainly never sees any of that. So right. we, even as readers, have more insight than Job ever had. Um, but today we can kind of cover the second, the second half of the book. So in, in part one, we talked all the way through chapter 31, um, where uh, we see Job and his friends wrestling with the fact that bad things don't happen to good people. If there's something bad going on, then it must be because you did something bad. You do something bad, and the outcome of that is that bad things happen. And so they keep saying that to Job and Job says, no, I'm righteous, which was affirmed by both God and the narrator. Mm -hmm. And 
he's saying, I'm righteous. There's no reason for this. And they say, no, God is just. And so there must be a reason for this. And they go back and forth for, you know, 30 chapters. Um, and then we'll, we pick up the story here in Job 32. Uh, you might have to help me with the pronunciation of this. Is this Elihu or it's Elihu, isn't it? Well, I've always said it that way, but we always accent names differently than Hebrew. And so usually the accent is pushed in, as late in the name as possible. Mm. So it might have been Elihu, but mm. who knows? Interesting. Um, now, Elihu has an interesting response. And I will say this about Elihu's response, because uh, I think Elihu talks for six chapters straight. Um, and by the way, this is, I think, the second of the monologues, right? Um, Job having the first monologue and um, then Elihu having the second and then Yahweh having the third and final. Right. Um, and he talks all the way through uh, 37. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about this is that Elihu's take is god is just um and he runs the world according to justice um but suffering being experienced does not mean by the righteous does not mean that god is therefore unjust or that he runs the world unjustly mm -hmm. suffering might have other things going on with it um maybe perhaps suffering is um a way that god uses just a tool that God uses to strengthen his people, or maybe he's using it to accomplish some unknown means that doesn't make sense. Like we think we tell the story, we told the story last week about Jesus talking about, or the disciples asking Jesus about the paralytic and saying, why, who sinned this man or his parents? And Jesus saying, neither. This was so the glory of God could be revealed. And then he heals the guy and he gets up and walks and we go, oh, okay, that's why that guy suffered. So Jesus could heal him and show everyone God's power. And you think, okay, that's all well and good. And we kind of put a little neat bow on it. But that man spent who knows how many years paralyzed, unable to walk. That's that's tough. That's something you sit in for a while and, and you don't know. And that's, and that's why I think Elihu says here, um, we, we don't know. We're sometimes we just don't know what's going on um yeah what what, what do you think of elihu's elihu's uh, monologue here yeah that seems to be his point and it, you can tell when he begins to talk he has some real negative words for the three friends and for job as well so some some tension has risen in his mind his soul as he's listened for quite some time now to the conversation so what is the tension and i and I believe the tension is he can't respect the fact that these men have really challenged the righteousness, the sovereignty, the rightness of God and what he does. So mm. he, he hears a lot of disrespect in there and, and he can't really sit with it anymore. I think we've all felt this before when we hear a conversation with a lot of tension in it going back and forth. And then we're like, yeah, but you guys are missing the whole point, And here's the point you're missing. And that is that you're failing to respect and fear God and you've stepped into places we ought not to go. And that is places of doubt or challenge or undermining the character of God himself. Mm. And he comes to defend that and to say, you guys have stepped in some mud here and you need to get out of it. And he clarifies the truth about who God is. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I think I think one of the things that he says is, uh, it is it, basically along the lines of like, what? Or do you think you're really in a place to accuse Yahweh, mm-hmm. the Creator? Do you think, from your perspective, you even have the ability, even, let alone the right, but the ability, like the genuine capability, to sit there and accuse the Creator of something? Mm-hmm. Let's leave the right to do it aside. Like, I think, I think we're we're always supposed to bring our doubts and our challenges to God. I think that's actually one of the lessons of Job is to bring them before God. But the the question is, as we think about it, do we have the capacity to critique the way that God runs the universe? Thinking mm-hmm. about the multitude of reality that is held in the palm of His hand at one moment, and we're sitting in our you know, Monday morning quarterback chair casting aspersions on the creator. Mm-hmm. And and you just, you just have to sit in, in the ridiculousness of that for a moment of, of, I must know better. I've been on the planet for 30 years or 60 years. And, and that's, you know, to a five-year-old, that seems like a long time held up to the eternal creator. You go, yeah, okay, maybe not. <laughs> yes, and and the breadth of exposure to all of reality and all that is out there is actually so minimal. Uh, even though we've lived thirty or sixty or one hundred and twenty years, still, how much have we really comprehended? Right? Yeah. Well, and it's just it's just such like I've got a I've got a one year old daughter right now, who, you know, just does not comprehend so many aspects of reality. She just doesn't comprehend it. I could try to, I, I could talk to Lynn Blue in the face about the internet. She would have no idea what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. No idea. My five-year-old doesn't understand the internet. She has, she has no idea. I'm like, oh, the internet's down. I go, what's, she goes, what's that mean? I go, that means we don't watch TV shows or get phone calls, video phone calls, or, you know, like, right. how do you explain the internet? You know, and that's just the internet. What about when it comes to discipline or I want to touch that because I want it. Mm-hmm. You go, you know, the classic example is it's a hot stove and no, don't touch the hot stove. I know it's red and it looks really inviting and warm, but it is going to burn you. Yep. And her mind just cannot comprehend it. Now, yeah. I think the distance between my daughter and I is infinitesimal compared to the distance between my brain and Yahweh. Right. And so yeah, we, we yeah. seem to be bent on wanting to somehow hold reality within ourselves and the book of Job continually says it's too heavy, it's too big. Mm. You're just going to have to trust God with it. It's too big, right? I kind of yeah. hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's where we get to, um, it, you know, this is when, you know, after, after uh, Elihu kind of like proclaims God's majesty and says, okay, this is how awesome God is. And ends in verse 24 with, again, fearing the Lord. He says, this is 37th. 24 this is um uh this is elihu therefore men fear him he does not regard anyone any who are wise in their own conceit then chapter 38 begins then yahweh answered job out of the whirlwind and said and then just unload (laughs) like this is this is one of those things where genuinely god has every right to say you're not worth my time 
you this it's like this would be like i'm trying to think of like this is like a much greater example then but an analogy would be like the pope responding to a a, a troll on twitter mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's just the 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 magnitude of difference between Yahweh and Job here is, is it just incredible. And he answers Job out of the whirlwind, having no obligation to do so, but does so and says, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Woo. Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> Yeah, this is where kind of what I was saying earlier, I think really can be seen the Job and the three friends have waded into the deep and Elihu has stayed in the shallows out of wisdom. And it basically says, hey, guys, you've wandered into the deep. I think you need to come back into the shallows. Mm-hmm. And so God shows up in the deep <laughs> where they are and quite literally I think scares them back into the shallows is exactly mm-hmm. what happens. And, but I think we have to be careful here. I, Uh, It's easy to take human character and human attitudes and human postures and project them onto God. And I would say that could be dangerous. Uh, Mm -hmm. You talked about last week kind of the uh, conversation between the Satan and God. And it's easy to give it human characteristics where it sounds like a couple of guys at a bar uh, kind of disagreeing over something and making a wager. But... knowing a little bit of God and his deep love for humanity, I don't think we can completely go there. And here again, too, you can think of the righteous uh, kind of indignation that we might have when being insulted by, you know, we're the expert on someone and someone who doesn't even know what they're talking about comes in and challenges us. We might have this arrogant uh, backlash. And I think we have to be careful to lay that over characterizing exactly how God is speaking here. Certainly he's speaking in tremendous power mm-hmm. and he wants to make a point that is being failed to be received well. But how would you make that point to one of your two daughters? Would you do it in this sense of arrogance and you listen to me, little girl, uh, you, you want to show her the strength and power of what she's up against, but you would do it in a different way than we would do it in arrogance. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, whatever God does here, he's going to do it perfectly. Uh, But challenges Job so deeply when he says, you know, dress for action like a man, I will question you and you make it known to me. Like you tell me what you think. I've got some questions for you and you tell me what you think. And then the questions begin. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or stretch the line upon it. Or what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when all the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Um, And then verse 8 through 11, I think, is a beautiful analogy. It's also uh, about the sea, but let, let me read it really quickly. Or who shut the sea with its doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed it limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no further. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Um, Throughout 
the Hebrew scriptures, the seas, the oceans are a symbol of evil and brokenness and destruction and darkness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Genesis 1, yeah, darkness and chaos was over the earth. Yeah. And it speaks of the sea, the, the, the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. And then speaking creation and good things into the chaos and the darkness. Mm-hmm. And we have Yahweh saying, where were you when I created the earth? And then he says, or... Who just tell me who keeps evil at bay? Who is the limiter of evil and says you can come this far but no more? Hmm. And I think I think we look at the state of the world and we say how could a good God fill in the blank? And my question is how dark and broken would the world be without the good God holding evil at bay? Hmm. Yeah what kind of horrendous reality would exist? Would there, would, I mean, just recent examples, would the Nazis have won World War II? Mm-hmm. Would atomic, uh, you know, atomic Holocaust been unleashed on the earth during the Cold War? Right. Would, I mean, the the amount of things that could have happened that did not now not that there haven't been massive calamities or that the rise of nazism wasn't evil in itself or the rise of um stalin and lenin and mao zedong and these evils of the 20th century not that they haven't been horrific or let's even rewind even further what about the black plague that killed a third of europe in the 15th century what about um um uh what's his name genghis khan and, and him killing, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, which is a massive portion of the population back then, there have been massive evils that rise, these massive waves of evil. Um, and somehow that they don't, they don't seem to last. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. There's ultimately yeah. salvation. There's ultimately uh, some level of things being made right again yeah and not that not that there aren't real lives and real people that are destroyed in the process but right. I, I genuinely wonder what the world would look like without a good god mm-hmm. um holding evil at bay mm-hmm. and and so we uh <laughs> do you know it's interesting so yahweh goes on this monologue uh just you know just giving job the dressing down of the century um and uh and then Yahweh says to Job in chapter 40 shall a fault finder contend with the almighty he who argues with god let him answer it kind of saying to Job okay your turn and then Job's <laughs> response is in verse 3 through 5 then Job answered the lord and said behold i am of small account <laughs> what shall i answer you i laid my hand on my mouth i have spoken once i will not answer twice but I will proceed no further. <laughs> like, and then verse six, uh, you, you know, Yahweh goes at him again. Then Yahweh answered Job out of the world and said, "Dress for action like a man." Which I mean, that's that's one translation. I, I, I don't I don't think it's that great of a translation. It's basically like, uh, like like put your armor on would might be a good <laughs> a good a good translation. Like, get ready for battle here. Yeah, the translation I'm looking at says, "Brace yourself." Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. That's a good one. Or buckle up, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will question you, you know, like, and he just goes, goes after him. And then 
uh, he says, you're, you're going to answer me. He, he says in verse eight, uh, would you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Yeah. Like suddenly this, this question of, of evil and brokenness happening to the righteous and in order for us to make sense of it, we have to put God in the wrong. Suddenly, right. these we have these these things that go these flashing red lights that go out of bounds, out of bounds, out of bounds. How right. could we condemn Yahweh so that we could be in the right? Yeah, could never happen, never happen. Yeah. Right, and then God continues. He just, he just, just continues the monologue over Job. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, Job, Job kind of responds finally in 42. And this is the beginning of the epilogue. He says, uh, it is 42, one. Then Job answered Yahweh and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Here Mm. and I will speak. I will question you. You will make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Mm. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Um, Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting because this is... um, uh, he's, he says, repent. I, I just repent. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting in the Hebrew Bible, if you look it up, it actually says recant here instead of repent. Mm-hmm. I take back all that I said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I withdraw. You're yeah. right. Yeah. I, I, the case that I have submitted to the court, right? Mm-hmm. I withdraw. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a case here anymore. Right. I feel like this these last couple of verses, four, five, and six, actually do a wonderful job of kind of characterizing the wisdom literature because he says, my ears, in verse five, my ears have heard of you. And I think that's the listening to this to the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. It's a conversation, mm. it's dialogue, it's philosophy, and my ears have heard. I've heard the cause and effect of life, and then I've heard also the unpredictability because of sin. But Job is the book that lets us see with our eyes. So it tells us a story mm. and it has characters and it has a picture. And so as we uh, absorb and get into Job, we can say, but now my eyes have seen. Job is the uh, explanation to our eyes, the eyes of our experience. Mm. I feel like that's a really good example of um, the difference between head knowledge and experiential knowledge. Exactly. There you go. That's a great mm-hmm. way to say it, Daniel. Yeah. And really, God has said one thing this whole time, you are out of your depth. Mm. You are out of your depth. And not that we can't wrestle with these questions. That's not the message of the book. No. But the the message is Yahweh is righteous, and we can't challenge that. And Mm -hmm. so we have to hold that there is somehow meaning, purpose, even glory stored in the present sufferings we experience absolutely and and what we experience now does not compare 
to the future glory that will one day be revealed. Right. Yeah, I think the book is saying, it's saying to me, there are no dangerous questions, but there are very dangerous answers. Mm. And so that's where we need to be careful. And some have tried to suggest that we shouldn't ask certain questions, and I don't hear that being said here at all. Mm -hmm. But where we have to tread lightly is what conclusions do you come to as you ask those questions? And this is where we have to go slow. Yeah, I actually, I'm, I'm really appreciative of Job um, in his responses, in his wisdom, and in his righteousness to the suffering. Mm-hmm. His, his initial response is to, to praise the Lord and, and, and to say this, my relationship with the Lord is not contingent on things going my way. Mm. And I think that is one of the grave dangers of Christianity in the wealthy West Mm. is my standing or God's good standing in my heart or in my life is based on things going my way. Right. And if things don't go my way, the surgery doesn't go well, or the person doesn't get healed, or I lose the job or something like that, then suddenly my faith is in question, mm-hmm. rather than that being the rock to get you through the hard times. Right. Yeah. And this is where the fear of the Lord becomes so critical, critical because the fear protects you from the wrong conclusions. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. know, you know God well enough, or you respect God well enough for who he is, that that it keeps you from the wrong conclusions. I I have too much reverence for God, too much fear for God to come Mm. to that conclusion. So I'm going to stay away from that conclusion. That's not fear. And because, and clearly it must be the wrong conclusion then. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, again, I think Job often leaves me with a lot more questions than answers, but I think it gives me a posture of how to approach the reality of suffering Mm -hmm. um, and to continue to shun evil and hold fast to what is good while fearing the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, this has been uh, our summer of wisdom podcast wrapping up the book of Job. And next time you'll uh, be with us, um, we will be going over wisdom literature, but, Um, kind of from the mouth of Jesus and what does Jesus have to say and how does Jesus interact with wisdom? So uh, that's all for now. And thank you all for listening. Have a good week. Goodbye.